well, good morning again. It must be the weather. Good morning. Thank you. Some people are kind of like napping and stuff. That's all right. I'm going to get loud. I will get loud. But, hey, I'm so glad you guys are here. Um, man, I hope um, you've enjoyed, um, you've been encouraged, you've been challenged um, by this whole idea that um, um, we have a calling, that every person has a calling. And so, and, and I hope that you got a chance to be part of those small groups, one of those home groups. If not, um, please join one because they're not stopping. Um, in fact, this week they're all discussing what are we going to do next and times of meeting and all that stuff. So please, if you've not joined a small group, um, do that. Do that. It, it's, it's imperative because I think that's kind of where the rubber starts meeting the road and all this. But over the last, I don't know, six, seven weeks, we've been just talking through this idea that we've all called to something. That, that every single person on this planet has a calling upon their lives and what it is. And we can answer that question, what on, on earth am I here for? And so this morning, as we kind of wrap up, and this is actually an extra one. This is one that wasn't there, and I was just praying through it. And I said, it is one thing to know the answer to that question. It is one thing to know why I'm here. You know, what's my purpose in being here? It's one thing to know that I am called and called and called, but it's an entirely different thing to do something about it. And so that's what I want to talk about this morning. Because it's good to know all these things and all these callings and everything that God has told us over the last couple of weeks and challenged us with. But it's totally something different if we do something with it. And so that's what I want to challenge us with this morning. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Philippians chapter 3. If you don't have a Bible, we have them available. If you don't own one or you've lost one, take one of ours. I just ordered a whole other case of them. They're coming in, so we've got plenty of them. Put your name in it. If you'd rather use electronic devices... You're more than welcome to do that. We have a Wi-Fi here. It says GBC Guest. Just type in Find More, all lower caps, and you can follow along there. But as always and forever, and as long as I'm here, I'm going to keep saying it and keep letting you know that the only words that matter this morning are these. My opinion, some great theologian or some quote I pick up or some study I've done makes no difference. It's these words that make all the difference. It's these words that change everything. It's these words that when everything's gone, my word will still remain, Jesus said. And so, so out of a respect and just acknowledgement of the authority's words, I'm going to ask if you'll stand with me as we read in Philippians 3. <coughs> Starting in verse 12, Paul writes this. He says, not that I've already reached the goal or am already perfect, but I make every effort to take hold of it because I also have been taken hold by Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching towards what is ahead, I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. You pray with me? God, I just thank you for this morning. I thank you for the opportunity just to be here and gather. And God, I just, every Sunday, I'm just reminded, God, you don't need me to preach. You don't need us to sing. God, you don't need us to do anything, but you invite us to come together, God, to be a part of your family, to come into your presence, to hear from you, and to be changed. God, we have spent weeks talking about the things that you have called us to do in our lives. God, may today we start doing them. God, may today be the day that you just... Just bring an awakening to us. Bring a revival to us. Just open up our eyes and open up our hearts to what you have for us. God, I pray today these words would be your words, not mine. 
God, I pray that you would give us ears to hear, hearts to respond, and the courage to live it out. God, that we would start being the church outside these walls as much as we are inside. God, that you would use this time to challenge us, to change us. God, that we would be different because we're in your presence. God, I pray things would happen that you're the only one that can get credit for this morning. That you would get all the glory. That you would have your way. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. <coughs> so as I said, you know, it's one thing to know these callings. It, it's one thing to know them. It's a whole nother thing to actually do something about it. And, and I think so often, um, you know, a, as a pastor and stuff, one of the frustrations is we kind of lay it out and say, hey, here's what's going on. Here's what's happening. And it's the idea of like, but what do you do with it? If there's no application, if there's no like transformation, if there's no change, then then I wonder. And I've said this to you before. Why do we go to church if we don't leave changed? I mean, what what's the purpose behind gathering and singing songs and doing stuff? If it's just a checklist, then listen, you know, Jacksonville's playing right now in London. I mean. We have better things to do with our time, maybe. So, so we sh- there should be change. There, there should be something to do. And and just kind of a review, all these callings we've gone over, and over the last couple of weeks, just we were called to be loved. That the very first thing that God wants you to know is that you're already loved. You are perfectly, absolutely, completely, and totally loved. There's nothing you've done to earn it. There's nothing you can do to earn it. That God loves you. That's why the Bible says, while we were still sinners, Christ died. When we were God's enemy, when we had nothing to offer him, he still died for us. You and I are completely loved. That's the basis of everything that we've talked about for weeks. It's the basis of us being a church. It's the basis of us doing anything in this world of any internal significance. It's the fact that we are loved by a God so amazing, so incredible. If you don't hear anything else this morning, I just I just want you to hear that. There's nothing you can do to make God love you more. There's nothing you've ever done that God will love you less for. That you and I are loved. That's a motivating factor. When we are loved, we are motivated. And there is no better love, more complete love than God's love. So the second one is not only are we loved, but we're called to belong. We're not just loved. It's not like God just loves at a distance. He says, no, I want you to be part of my family. I want you to be in this community of faith. We're we're family. And the Bible says that we're adopted in, that we're grafted in to the promise that he made to his people in the Old Testament, Jerusalem, that we are brought into this family. And that family is called the church. Big C and little C, that we are called to belong to a community of faith, to a family. That's why in Hebrews, the author says, don't forsake the gathering of yourself as some are in the habit of doing. But come together to spur one another, to encourage one another on to good deeds. We're supposed to come together. We're called to belong. It doesn't mean you have to completely believe everything to belong. It doesn't mean you have to completely understand everything to belong. If you already know everything there is to know about God, let's switch places. <laughs> because I'm going to spend the rest of, my, the, of eternity trying to figure out everything there is to know about God, his love, his grace, his power, his majesty, his holiness, all that stuff. It's going to take all of eternity to figure all that out. And if I'm waiting to figure it all out before I belong somewhere, you are never going to belong somewhere. And God says, no, I want you in my family. And it's called the church. And so we're called to belong. We're called to become. 
I love that God loves us so much. He meets us right where we're at. No matter where you are in your life, whatever's going on, God meets you right there in the muck, in the mud, and whatever it is, God meets you right there, but he loves you enough not to leave you there. God has a goal for us. God has a plan for us, and that's for us to be conformed to his image. That's Romans 8, 28, 29. We love that verse. All things work to the good of those who love him and call according to his purpose. What's the good thing? To be conformed to the image of Christ. The goal of Christianity, the goal of this faith is not heaven. The goal of this faith is for us to become who we were always supposed to be. And the only picture we have of that perfect human being is Jesus. And so we are we we are we are challenged and, and we are we are called to become more like him, to be formed in that image. Which means that we have to grow and we have to study God's word. We've got to fall in love with this word and we, we have to be obedient and, and do all that. And so we're called to love and to belong and to become. And then finally, as we are becoming more like him, we're called to bless. We're called to be a blessing. We're called to take what we have and what God has given us, those talents, those abilities, those passions, and use them to bless other people, to be a ministry to other people. That's why in our little church covenant thing, the very first line is, is that no one is just an attender to this church, that everybody has a job. Everybody has a role to play. Everybody needs to be doing something because God has given us the ability to do that, to bless other people. We feel blessed when we're blessing others. I don't know about you, I feel empty when it's all about me. And we live in a world that says it's all about you. I know I've said this before, but Apple's made billions of dollars off iPhones, iPads, i this, i that. And the Bible clearly says it's not about I, it's about us. That's why Paul always says, you know, put others in front of you. Put their needs in front of you. Humble yourself and put others. And so we are called to bless other people. And now, finally, after that, we're called to be sent. Jesus' last command, his last marching orders is go, therefore, into all the world, baptizing and teaching them. Tell every nation, every tongue, every person the story. We're supposed to go. You know, I, I know we live in, in a culture and we, we, we like to sit here. And I love the movie, If You Build It, They Will Come. You know, Field of Dreams, one of my favorite movies. I love it. Except that's become our philosophy in the church. If we build it, they will come. We have a gymshuary. <laughs> look at the gymshuary. Look at the TVs. Look at all the flashy and all the stuff. Look at They will come. No, they're not. We have to go. And that may be across the street, and it may be across an ocean, but we are called to go. We are called to be, listen, if a church isn't mission-minded, I'm telling you right now, it can no longer claim the name church. And so we heard all these over the last couple of weeks, like in detail, and, and, and we've talked to them. But, but the problem is, is what do you do with those? It's one thing to hear it, but what do I do with it? And if we're not going to do anything with it, then we're wasting our time. We need to do something with this. We need to know, like, okay, I have all these callings, so how do I live these out? And that's really what I want to focus on this morning. I want you to back up. Turn back to Philippians 3. Back up a little bit. I think the very first thing we need to do is we need to start putting things in perspective, knowing that we are called to be loved, called to belong, to become, to be sent, to bless, all those things. 
How do we do that? I think the very first thing is we got to put it in perspective. Back up to verse 7. Listen to Paul. He says, but everything that was gained to me, I've considered to be a loss because of Christ. More than that, I consider everything to be a loss in view of surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Because of him, I have suffered the loss of all things and consider them as done so that I may gain Christ. The very first thing we have to do, if you want to live this life we've been talking about, this full life, that since we started this church saying this more life, this idea that God wants more for us and from us and experience the fullness of God, the very first thing you and I have to do is we got to put everything else in perspective. There's temporal, there's eternal. And unfortunately, I think we spend so much time focusing on the temporal. We focus on the status and we focus on on the jobs and the bank accounts and the retirements and the houses and the cars and the friends and and all this stuff. And we put all that in the pile and that becomes our primary focus. And I love that Paul sits there and goes like, I consider all of that worthless compared to following Christ. That's a harsh statement. That, that's a that's a big statement, but but everything else compared to Christ and the calling of his life, everything else that God has commanded you to do or called you to do, or you felt led to do, where is it in your line of priorities? I want to tell you, we've become a culture that church has become like a bottom priority. I mean that. And I'm just saying this after 30 years of experience, 30 years of being in youth ministry, the first thing that someone says to me when they're like, well, I'm really busy. And so what are you going to give up? Well, we won't go to church this weekend. I've never heard somebody says my kids are going to miss their soccer game because this church. I'm going to talk to my job and make sure I'm off on Sundays. I'm going to give up this because I've got church and study. I rarely heard that. Because our priorities have always been, hey, no, it's this. Let's keep everybody happy. Let's keep everybody agitated. Let's keep everybody directed and all this stuff, and that's really good. And those are all good things. I am not knocking any of those things. I believe in extracurricular activities. I think you should live out, you should have a life outside of just here. But my question is, what's the most important thing? If it's not Jesus I submit to you, then you and I are idolaters. Listen, I'm sorry if your toes are hurting right now. So are mine. (laughs) Because when we start putting stuff ahead of them, when we start looking, and look, this is Paul talking. Paul, who who was both Roman, had Roman citizenship, was Jewish, was on the fast track to being a Pharisee, was trained by one of the greatest minds that was there. I mean, he had everything going for him. He was a Jew among Jews, and he says, but everything that was gained to me, everything that brought like gain to me, all the, all the praise, all the glory, all that stuff, all of that to me is a loss because of Christ. Can you imagine if the church caught hold of that? Everything we need to do is to be about furthering the kingdom, no matter what the sacrifice. Can you imagine what that would do to this community? We have got to put it in perspective. If your faith is struggling, I'm going to tell you, I believe with all my heart this morning that there's something out of whack. There's something out of perspective. And I know this is hard. Believe me, it's hard. Me and God wrestled all week this week. I had long hours. I picked up extra hours. I'm doing overtime. I'm doing all kinds of stuff. Man, and, and in the middle of the week, I'm just like, I'm so tired, God. I just don't want to talk to me. And a girl sitting by me in a command center looked at me and says, well, how do you get saved? That, that might save me because then I could be a re-virgin and all this stuff. I'm just like, whoa, time out. 
And I looked her in the face. I said, listen, if you want to have a serious conversation about your eternity, man, me and you, I, I'm there. This is a joke to you. It's not, it's, there's no point. But I'm going to tell you, there's a God that loves you, has a plan for you, and you need to stop living, raise the standards for your life. I say that not just like, oh, good job, Pastor. I say that because we have literally people all around us waiting to see Jesus in us. And if our life is out of perspective, they're not going to see anything but you. What's more important to you than Jesus right now? You want to have this full life we've been talking about and see God just move? It starts, it starts there. Not only do we need to put it in practice or perspective, we need to we need to put it in place. We need to actually do something. It's one thing to like sit there and take like a self-evaluation and say, okay, there's this, there's this, there's this. Okay, okay, I'm good. Okay, here's the good, here's the bad. Yeah, let's work on these things. Listen, I'm bad at this, but I'm trying to get better at it. We need to be a goal-making people. You know what goals are? Goals are those things we set in our life that are measurable, attainable, and that we can say, I made it and stuff. Now, I'm not talking about, like, making a goal like, I'm going to own Las Vegas. No, I mean, if you can, you and I need to talk because we need a building. <laughs> I got a better investment for you. <laughs> but, but, but the truth is, is we need to actually put these things in place. It's one thing. It's got to go from head knowledge to heart knowledge. It's got to go from just like, hey, this is good. I've heard this to something that actually measures out in my life. Look at verse 10 and 11. Paul goes on, listen to Paul, he says, my goal, my purpose, my meaning, everything I do leading to this is to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering, being conformed to his death, assuming that I will somehow reach the resurrection from among the dead. And Paul says, everything I do, there's a goal behind it. It's not to build, not to get a good name. It's not to build a mega church. It's not to do this. My goal simply is to know Jesus better to know everything to know the good about him to know that power and i love that verse i want to know the power of your resurrection and the fellowship of the suffering (laughs) because i'm going to tell you if you are living your life this way if you are saying god it is about you you're number one in my life my family's behind it my job is behind it everything else is second to you god it is you and i'm going to live it out there are going to be people that are going to come up to you and say you're an idiot you're crazy you're stupid You're going to know suffering. But in the midst of that suffering, you're going to know power. Because you make it a goal. I make it every day I have to wake up and say, today, Jesus, I want to know the power of your resurrection. I know the fellowship of your suffering. Today, I want to know you a little bit better. I want to serve you a little bit better. I'm going to bring you a little bit more glory. And maybe that day, it's just one step. Maybe that day, that person looks at you and says, well, how do I become a Christian? You're like, oh, okay. Or maybe that's the day the person looks at you. It's Jesus' fault that we don't have Harry Potter weekends anymore because they move rock the universe. I heard that this week, too. (laughs) I was like, shut up. You're going to get both, but you've got to commit to it, but it's got to be daily. 
I'm telling you, I know this because this week I've struggled. This week I've, I've had, a, I haven't had great quiet times. I haven't had, you know, pastor, pastor must be in a study praying and, and see, not this week. Pastor got home from work, went to bed and woke up like nine hours later. <laughs> I said, wow, day's gone. Okay, do it again. So I know. But not only do I got to pursue, I got to put it in place. I got to set goals. Like I started putting literally on my calendar devotion time so that I wake up in the morning and look and say, yeah, I got to have a devotion time. Prayer time. I, oh, I got to pray. I got to live this out. You know, I, I literally walk into my job at Universal every time. And now people are following me. It's kind of funny because they hear me because as I'm going up that escalator, I'm like, God, just bring your peace to this place. <laughs> <laughs> And now there are guys saying, hey, what shift do you have? Because I want to work with you because things don't seem as crazy when you're around. <laughs> I'm like, they are. It's just there's peace. I'm a man of peace. Isn't that what God called us to be? People of peace? That doesn't happen if we don't put it in place. That's not what happen if we don't if we don't get serious about this. And say, here's my goals. I mean, write goals down. How many people do you want to personally tell about Jesus in the next month? Write it down. You know, say, hey, you know what? I just, I'm going to tell three people. I'm going to have a. I'm going to have three spiritual conversations this week, and then pray about it. Set a goal. That's what Paul's saying. He says, I set. This is my goal that everything I do is to know Jesus better. And the best way to know Jesus better is to do what He tells us to do. It's the best way. And so, and so we put things in place to do that. And then, and then finally, we put it into practice. <laughs> Crazy, huh? We actually like listen, we get something from him, say, now I am going to do this. Wouldn't that be amazing? I that would make my day. Those are the emails I want. Pastor, I heard your sermon said this is what I did this week because of it. I did this. Because then I sit there going like they heard me. <laughs> they listened in. I love it. I love it. um Ian. Little just would come up. He's like, "This is what you talked about last week." And uh, just weeks ago, and I'm, I'm just sitting there going, like, "Oh, can I just multiply you?" <laughs> it's beautiful because we gotta put it into practice. It makes absolutely no sense to me that we go to church, we sing songs, we're in the presence of God of the universe, and we don't leave changed. It's ridiculous to me. It's crazy to me. We put it into practice. And I think that's what Paul was talking about. Look at verse 13 and 14. He says, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to take hold of it. I'm not there yet. Just because I'm Paul doesn't mean I have all the answers. I mess up. Just because I'm pastor doesn't mean like, man, I'm sharing the gospel every single day. I'm pulling people over on the side of the road, and they are getting saved. It's amazing. That don't happen. Only thing that pastor means on my title is one thing, is that I'm held more accountable. I'm held accountable for you and what comes off this platform. I'm held accountable that you're able to do what God has called you to do. I'm accountable that you're equipped to do that. It doesn't mean I do it any better than you. It just means I'm a little bit more accountable for it. It's not that we've already gathered. No one's asking you to be perfect. It's not going to happen. We've fallen. We're in a fallen, broken world. 
and God is finishing the work that he started in us. And I know at times that means we fall back. I understand. Pick yourself up. Ask forgiveness. Cleanse yourself and go. But look what he says. He says, he says, I don't consider. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead, I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. Forgetting what is behind, I press forward. The problem with so many of our churches and so many of the followers today is we are sitting here and we're looking back on the way it used to be. Remember when the church was full? Remember when we had this and, you know, we had the choir, we had everything. Remember when we did it this way and we are looking back and we're looking back. And the problem is, is that there's no one back there anymore. Everyone that we're called to reach is in front of us. We got to stop looking back. You got to stop looking back on your life. Whatever you've done, whatever's happened, you know, if God needs to deal with you on something, let him deal with you, make it right, and then start moving forward. We are called to move forward. That's why Jesus said about his church, not even the gates of hell will prevail against his church as long as we keep moving forward. There ain't nothing that can stop us. I don't know if you ever heard the story of Cortez, one of the Spanish explorers. He came to the country. They landed up. They saw it was going to be hard. It was going to be rough. You know what Cortez did? When they got on shore and he got all the supplies, he got all the people on shore, he turned around and he burned his ships. And he said, now either we will, we will conquer or we will die. But no one's going back. Folks, we need to burn our ships. Whatever's holding us back, whatever's holding you back, we, we need to burn. So we forget that and we press on towards the prize, the goal. We, we have to do that. Listen, the call is clear. The call is very, very clear. Listen, I, you know, I'm, I'm a fisherman. I love to fish. I don't catch. There's a difference. There's fishing and catching. I'm a fisherman. <laughs> Not much catcher. But, I mean, we need to fish or cut bait. I think that's what Jesus is telling us. That, I mean, that's really Matthew 4.19. Jesus looks at his disciples. He looks at these men sitting on a shore doing what they've always done. Fixing nets, fishing, it's all they've ever known. And he says, follow me, he told them, and I will make you fisher of people. Follow me, Jesus is saying today. Follow me into this amazing, adventurous life. Follow me into these calls that actually step out and do it. And you will have a life more than what you could ever imagine of what you have right now. You like to catch fish, you like your job, you like everything. What happens if that becomes your ministry? What happens if in your job place or in your neighborhood, wherever you're at, you start seeing opportunity for God's kingdom to grow there, for God's gospel to be spread and for lives to be changed and say, God, I want to be a fisher of people. I don't want to catch something that I can eat and then it's gone today. I want to fish people, man. I want to see life change because there's only a couple things we take into eternity. It is ourselves, it is God's word, and it is other people. So either start fishing or cut bait. It is time for the church to stand. It is time for the church to be loving, to be graceful, to be just, to be holy, and to start moving forward and start fishing again. It is time for us to do that. The call is clear. And in the very end of it, it is a question of obedience. That's all it is. It is a question of yes, God, or no, God. 
There's no like, well, God, maybe. Maybe is no. There are two answers we give God. Either yes, God, I'm going to do it your way, or no, God, I'm going to do it my way. God's way always leads to freedom. Your way always leads to imprisonment and bondage. You want to live your life under any other standard than these words. It's going to lead to someplace you don't want to be. I promise you. It is always. And so we obey or we disobey. Those are the only choices. Either you're in obedience to Christ or you're in disobedience. It's that simple. Listen, I'm black and white. That's how I am. I was a sergeant in the army. That's how I lived my life. Ask my kids. They hate it. They're all like, but dad, what about? I'm like, no, it's yes, it's no. <laughs> Decide your day. Do you want to be grounded or do you not? <laughs> but that's a no. You're grounded. It is yes or no. There's, there's not a, there are no gray areas in scripture. There are things that we don't fully understand, but when it comes down to what God has said and the purpose of our life and about Jesus and everything and how we're supposed to live, there are no gray areas. Stop listening to all the news stations that say there are. It's not true. It is either I obey or I disobey. And both have consequences. That's it. And this is the same with this. If we hear all this and say, God, okay, you've called me to all this. You've got to make a decision. At the end of the conquest, when Joshua was done, this is what he looks. He looks at all the people of Israel and he says this. He says, listen, but if it doesn't please you to worship the Lord, choose for yourself today which you will worship. The gods your father worship beyond the Euphrates River or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. As for me and my family, we will worship the Lord. And I'm going to tell you right now, choose this day who you're going to worship. Because as of this church and this family, we will worship the Lord and we will do it his way for his glory every time, every day. And if that doesn't fit you, if that doesn't work for you, I'm sorry. I love you. You're welcome here. But there are other places that will tickle your ears. I'm not going to tickle your ears. I'm not always going to tell you what you want to hear. We will worship the Lord. Because there are way too many other gods in this own community right here that are being worshipped, that are destroying lives. I love it. I love it. I love it. We are called to a full and fruitful life. We are called to a life of purpose, a life of meaning, a life of, of just doing stuff. Don't you want to be part of something that when you're gone, it just continues to go? Don't you want to be part of a legacy, part of something that just is changing lives? Listen, in 30 years of ministry, 30 years of youth ministry and doing this and all this stuff, man, I've done every self-help thing that you can do. I've done mentoring and everything. But I'm going to tell you, I have found out that the only thing that's going to change this world, the only thing that's going to change lives is the gospel. The gospel changes everything about everybody. It changes everybody's situation. It changes their heart. It changes their life. It changes everything about them. And don't you want to be part of that? To see fruit grow that, that lives, marriages restored, families restored, hope restored, purpose restored, meaning restored. Don't you want to be part of that? Because that's what we're offering. That's what God is offering. He says, I want your life to matter more than you could ever imagine. But this is what it will take. It's very simple. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. If you want your life to have eternal significance, it starts with understanding I'm loved. I'm broken. I need to be forgiven. I need to be restored. I need to be redeemed. 
It starts with belonging to God's family, to being part of a community of worship. It starts with becoming more like Jesus, of getting into his word, of, of being in home groups and studying the Bible and gathering every chance you get just to grow and be more like him. It starts when we start, when we um, bless and we're using our gifts and we're serving God. And it starts when we're sent and we're going and we're telling the whole world the gospel. When that happens, man, there is so much fruit. But none of that happens without being in Jesus. That's the point. See, it's not for your glory. It's not for my glory. It's for his I pray crazy prayers. My wife gets on to me all the time because I'm like, oh, I love this passage. I'm going to pray this. And she's like, stop it. That whole like, God, I want to know the power of your resurrection and the fellowship of your suffering. I prayed that. And my wife looked at it and for like six years, it was like, when did we get to the power part? Because <laughs> we're doing a lot of suffering. But what I figured out is in the middle of the suffering, that's where I find the power. I pray things like, God, I want you to do things in such a way that no one else gets credit. No one can say, Tony, that's because you had a great strategy and great plan and all this stuff. I, think, I, don't want, I want people to show up here and go, like, you're the pastor and there's people here? Oh, my gosh, that's got to be God. <laughs> <laughs> and that happens a lot, by the way. <laughs> because I want God to get the credit. It's not about us. When I'm remaining in him, and this is such a beautiful picture in the Greek. It literally means to make my abode, to make my home inside in Jesus that safe place you know I equate it to when when my girls were little and I had a big lazy boy chair and I'd be sitting up there and I'd be working all day and tired and they were little and they would climb up into my lap and literally they would like bury themselves like in my belly it wasn't that big but they were <laughs> they were small but they would be and you couldn't even like see them because that's they were safe and they would just go to sleep that's remaining in Jesus. That's climbing up in there and saying, God, this is where my home is going to be. I'm going to do it your way, not my way. I'm going to follow your, your laws, your patterns, everything. It's going to be your way. That's the way I want to do it. And when we do that, everything changes. Fruit blossoms. Lives are changed. Not because of us, but because we are doing something about it. I love it. Jim Elliott, missionary martyr to Ecuador, he said this. He said, rest in this. It is his business to lead, command, impel, send, call, or whatever you want to call it. It is your business to obey, follow, move, respond, or what have you. It's how it works. It is God's business to call, and the call is there. You know, the great passage in Revelation, I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone opens, I will come into him. It's a beautiful picture in London, in, in the cathedral in London, of that, of Jesus knocking on the door. And if you look at the picture, you'll notice there's no door handle on the outside. And people are like, oh, you messed up. You didn't put a door handle. It's like, no, because you have to open it from the inside. You have to obey. The call is there. The call and the promise of more life 
of more knowledge, of more understanding, of, of a deeper faith, of lives being changed, of, of all this, a call of just a deep community, all that the call is there. It's always there. We have to obey. We have to answer. God don't leave voicemails. Sorry. I know I hope I know some of us look at our phone and go, well, I'll just they'll get a voicemail and then if I want to call them, I'll find out call back. God don't leave voicemails. <coughs> God calls. We answer. Or God calls someone else. And they'll answer. Don't miss out. Don't miss out. Let's pray. God, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for this whole series and and everything that we have gone through. God, and it's easy to sit right here this morning and say, well, we're done. Okay, we did, we did the 40 days. We've done small groups. Okay, let's just go back, God. That just makes no sense to me. God, because I don't think this is the end. I think this is a beginning. God, you have called us to know you and to make, your, make you known. That's it. That's Anyone looking for purpose this morning, God, that's it, to know you and to make you known. God, let us be a people that stop just sitting and gathering information. But God, let us be a people of action people that do that step out God that look at our lives and say all right what's the most important thing it doesn't matter what's happened in the past we press on towards the future so God this morning I just simply pray if there's anyone here that doesn't know you that has been stuck and saying going like I've heard all this stuff I know the calls I know I'm loved and everything God maybe today be the day they hear that knock they open the door and it changes that their life would be totally transformed today because you entered it. So God, I pray that they will pray this prayer simply in their hearts. God, I know I'm a sinner. I have done things my way. I want to do them your way from now on. God, Jesus, you came. You, you died for me. You rose again. Forgive me. Come into my life. I want to live on purpose. I, I, I want to live for your kingdom and your glory forever. God, I pray if there's anyone else for the rest of us that if we've just been kind of going through the motions just sitting here. God, we've, we've put other things in front of you. We've made other priorities. God, that you will deal with us right now, that today would be the day, like, okay, we're reworking that. Today is a new day. We're going to forget what's happened in the past. And starting today, God, you are the center. You are the number one. God, whatever that looks like, if it means, if it means getting baptized, God, if it means, if it means start to tithe and, and give offerings and worshiping through that, God, if it means joining a home group, if it means starting a ministry, if it means joining the church, whatever that means, whatever that looks like, whatever, God, let that happen right now. It is time for us to get to work. So, God, I give you this time. I pray that you will just speak to hearts that you would meet us there, God, and that you would move us from where we're at to where we need to be. God, if anyone needs to pray, I'm here. If they want to go into a prayer room and just be quiet, they can go back behind those curtains. 
whatever needs to happen, let it happen right now. Let none of us leave the same that we came. We pray it all in Jesus' name. If you're willing and able, will you stand and join me?